It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 245, The First Punic War. Now that the Roman Republic has uncontested control over nearly all of central and southern Italy, its ambitious politicians have their eyes on more conquest. Being a republic, no war would be authorized without justification. And in this case, and in this case, they are invited into this conflict. At the end of the wars with Pyrrhus, Rome had forged a rough alliance with the Carthaginians for a brief time period, but now they're going to be at it with each other, in typical Roman style, and a very exhaustive war. Carthage basically controls northern Africa, parts of Spain, and most of Sicily, um, as well as there's a real dominance of the Mediterranean that Carthage is exerting as well. They have the best mounted soldiers in the world at the time. They're Numidian cavalry, and they have great amounts of land, of course, in Spain, um, which they mostly control. The southern and western Mediterranean was theirs, and an upstart Rome was challenging them. Now, the breakout of war is quite complicated, um, if you look at the history books. Across the water in Italy, in Sicily, was a city named Messana. Roman mercenaries had gotten involved in this city, and they called for aid at one point, actually, from Carthage, and then now they're calling for aid from Rome in a contest um, with allies now of Carthage. All right, once aid was requested, the Senate actually voted on if they should go to war or not, and they were deadlocked. So they put it to a popular vote, and the people agreed to send a force across the waters on their first campaign in Sicily, knowing that this would lead to it a very large campaign against the Carthaginians. The Carthaginians, who owned most of Sicily, would hotly debate them with armed fury, but they were very slow in coming. A massive Roman army was a bit much for Sicily, and the Carthaginians were late in building up their forces. The Romans took Messana and continued south to Syracuse, and they fail in their siege of the very large, wealthy city of Syracuse. But with no relief force in sight from the Carthaginians, King Hiero of Syracuse actually makes peace with Rome and actually becomes their ally, granting Rome a large portion of eastern Sicily. And by the time the 50,000 Carthaginians show up, half of Sicily was already Rome's. The Carthaginians protected the western portion while Rome controlled the eastern portion. The Carthaginians relied on strong fortifications and eventually another city, Agrigentum fell to the Romans. And at this point, the campaign enters another stage. Carthage knows that they have the largest naval force in the world, and they decide to allow this moderate-sized army in Sicily to remain, and they would destroy Rome's fleets and blockade their shores. It's not a bad strategy, but Rome decided to build a fleet to challenge them. The Republic authorized them to build a fleet, and within a month, we see over 100 vessels are built. That's what the historians say. This fleet goes out to challenge the Carthaginians. Now, the Carthaginians are master seamen, but the Romans have a trick. They put a, an object called a corvus on their ships, 
which they lower onto other vessels, kind of like a, you know, the old pirate boarding plank you used to see. This corvus is a form of a plank with a metal spike connecting the vessels, and the Romans would board them and fight at what they're good at, land warfare, from ship to ship. The secret weapon works with a great effect on the Carthaginians in the first battle of Mylae, where many vessels are lost to the Romans. But the score wasn't even even. Not even close to this stage. The Carthaginians still retained naval superiority, but the blockade had ended. The Corvus was soon abandoned as unseaworthy, but it served its purpose in its first battle. The Romans kept building ships and sending legions to Sicily to expand its influence, and the brawl continued on Sicily as Carthage sent more and more men to fight and die there. Sicily was filled with mountains and walled cities at this time, and many of these walled cities required exhaustive sieges, and often cities switched sides during the conflict, and the conflict would rage for years and years. A Carthaginian general named Hamilcar, not Hamilcar Barca, but Hamilcar, he would lead a counterattack and take back certain cities for Carthage. Eventually, the Romans decided to go for the jugular and send a force to Carthage itself, though Sicily wasn't even conquered yet. And this is where the story gets pretty interesting. The Romans are under a consul named Regulus. He wisely slowly lands his forces, and he slowly approaches Carthage and removes some of their allies from northern Africa. He wins the Battle of Addis, and Carthage itself actually sues for peace. And this is where we could actually see the First Punic War end. But it doesn't, um, Carthage doesn't accept his terms. Well, in fact, it's actually Carthage which agrees to peace. And as Regulus comes forward and he demands excessive payment um, and indemnity for the war and everything, um, Carthage actually says no. Regulus is the one who got greedy. So then he continues to besiege Carthage. Regulus parks his army outside the city in the winter camp. Uh, many of Regulus's soldiers go, go back for the winter, um, and he's waiting on when the weather to improve and for spring to be here for him to renew his offensive to destroy Carthage in its entirety. The Carthaginians have a new commander, a Spartan mercenary named Xanthippidus. Who retains who who actually who retrains the Carthaginians and leads them out in the spring just before a renewed Roman army with reinforcements comes to relieve Regulus. In the spring as well, the Romans send a force at sea, and it has over uh, this is what the histor historians are saying. It has over a hundred thousand soldiers and sailors who intent on destroying Carthage. And and I don't I'm actually not surprised at this. I could see so many Romans volunteering for this because the spoil itself is Carthage. Uh, so, so many people would have probably signed up because they get a portion of whatever they, they take from Carthage. But greed always has a price. Well, this is where Roman history gets so interesting. Regulus wants the spoils to himself. And just as the Carthaginians march out of the city, in their lead, they actually outnumber the Romans. Well, Regulus attacks because he wants the glory and spoils, while he should have waited for reinforcements. He also would have not received the glory if he waited. It would pass to another consul. Regulus leads his army outnumbered and is soundly defeated by the Carthaginians. The Spartan commander routs them at the Battle of Tunis, 
and Regulus is led a prisoner inside the walls of Carthage. And then finally, this 100,000 sailor and soldier army arrives to find Regulus's army completely destroyed. The relief force arrives, picks up only the survivors that they find, and they head out to sea. And this is where it gets worse. At sea, a storm hits, and supposedly the entire fleet is destroyed. The army, the naval personnel on board the vessels, amounting to over 100,000 dead at sea. And this is the insane part of the story. Carthage now has an upper hand, and it sends forces to Sicily, but you would think they would send Xanthippus to end this war, to, to, to run over the Romans in Sicily and to assert their dominance and maybe even super peace at that stage, or take it to you know, the mainland of Italy, the Italian peninsula. Instead, Carthaginian nobles, jealous of his power, actually get rid of him. Instead, they send Hamilcar Barca, um, a kind of a new general, to conduct the war in Sicily. The walled city-states hold their own to the Carthaginians because the Carthaginians are almost divesting at this stage. So they survive the attack. The, the noble aristocrats who help rule the city in Carthage, they're, they're willing to kind of settle their losses and not put anything else forth. Further, Rome gets attacked by Gauls to the north, and they fill them off, and Sicily, the Sicilian campaign turns into a quagmire, with Hamilcar Barca conducting guerrilla campaigns. Then the fleets mass again for a contest off the coast of Sicily. Carthage wins the contest, and Rome has another fleet destroyed in a storm. Rome refuses to build another fleet, and the contest continues. Carthage was pretty much happy with the status quo, but Rome refused to end the conflict, though they weren't really investing in it like they used to. Neither side invested enough in it, and it seemed to be almost like a cold war is going on, and there's some conflict, there's fighting, but they, neither side was ending it. This time, as the, the situation over time doesn't seem to go anywhere, Rome finally invests in an, an additional fleet. This time they were slower to rebuild, but they did it. The exhaustion seems to be catching up with Carthage as well. Now what is hard to understand is how the Carthaginians didn't recover and push the Romans out of Sicily. They didn't do this because of horrid financial losses. They were only a trade oligarchy of sorts. I like to compare them to Venice later in history. The red issue was the removal of Xanthippus. When the ruling countries out of jealousy forced him to leave and they're divesting in the war. And eventually Rome really builds another fleet. And this new fleet engages the Carthaginians and wins the naval battle and destroys their fleet. Hamilcar Barca is forced to fend for himself, and until years later, the Romans send enough of an army to force Carthage to relinquish control of all of Sicily. And just as Hamilcar Barca leaves Sicily, he is quoted as making his son Hannibal swear his vengeance on Rome. Hannibal would do just that, and if you want to learn more about the Punic Wars and the, and the history of Rome, Mike Duncan has a um, is a bit of a legend in the history podcasting world. His podcast title, History of Rome, gives way more detail than I provide here. History records upwards 
uh, to Rome losing about 700 ships and Carthage over 500. The count of manpower loss seems to be lost in the count of naval disasters and endless fighting over Sicily. And in the end, Rome becomes master of Sicily, and Carthaginian progress in the Mediterranean was only thwarted, for they had allies and colonies in Spain itself, and a military legend Hannibal in the making. If any of the wars and campaigns of Rome show the true redemptive character of the Romans, it's the Punic Wars. Two complete losses of fleets and over 700 ships destroyed and hundreds of thousands of dead, and they still won the war. In the end, both sides were nearly broke and exhausted, but it was a wealthy set of landowners in the end which contributed the final measures to build the final fleet for Rome. While jealous aristocrats afraid of losing power in Carthage led to its downfall. Not to praise the Romans for they're not really role models, per se, but we'll learn in the history books of a great temple in the center of Carthage dedicated to worship. Innocents were often sacrificed in this temple and their bones have been uncovered in modern excavations. Even historical writers mention in the third of these Punic Wars how innocents were killed as sacrifices to this god. This god whose rising nation was doomed to destruction. The city founded by the descendant of Queen Jezebel herself was not authorized to rise to dominate power status. In the end, we know and read the stories and know the outcome. God already told about it in the book of Daniel. There is no mention of Carthage by the prophets, for they is doomed to destruction. They will give it their all, and great glory will be achieved on the field of battle, and Hannibal will be attributed with one of the greatest battlefield strategies and complete victories in all of history. But regardless of the show and the drama and the conflict, deep in the heart of Carthage, we know the city was founded on and committed to a demon named Baal doomed to destruction. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.